0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network, coming to you from snowy central Pennsylvania. I'm recording this on Saturday afternoon as we get uh, snow pounded on us. It's funny, I I joke about this a lot. If you're from central Pennsylvania or, or ever lived here, been here much, anytime that snow forecast comes of, oh, five, six, seven inches. The folks here just freak the heck out. They, they got to make sure they get to the store and get the toilet paper and get the milk and everything. And uh, I think it's kind of comical because I li- where I live in Altoona, uh, like there's one sheets three quarters of a mile down the road that way. Another sheets a mile and a half down the road that way. <laughs> I'm pointing. You guys can't hear this. See this on a podcast. A Rudder's right down the road a mile. generals within a mile of my house, a family dollar. So, (laughs) you know, barring some kind of three-foot... Uh, dumping of snow. I'm pretty sure I can get to Sheets or Dollar General to get something if I truly needed it, but it always, it always is comical to me. And my wife is one. My wife is an Altoid, which is what people from Altoid are called. She's always, oh, we got to get the, (laughs) get the toilet paper, get the, get the milk just in case we get a bad snow. As I'm recording this, we got a couple inches already. Maybe we'll get five, six, seven inches. I don't know. The kids can get out and play in it, but it is funny. I'm not from here, um, but I've lived here long enough to have been dumped on a couple feet of snow uh, a few times, and uh, it's hilarious though when there's that five, six, seven inches, people, people go nuts. So anyway, uh, enough about the weather. Uh, I got a great podcast for you today coming up. I got two pre-recorded segments. One is on um, did James Franklin and Penn State mislead fans with the bowl game opt-outs. I wrote about that earlier in the week at DK Pittsburgh Sports. And uh, I got a good podcast with Frank Bodani from the York Daily Record. We discussed that and some other uh, cool things from the uh, from the Peach Bowl. Um, so we'll get into that here in the second segment. And third segment, what kind of grade would you give James Franklin during his tenure at Penn State? I saw that question posted on Twitter. Um, I'll give you my grade uh, during that portion of the podcast in segment three, Joe Smelzer from Nittany sports now joins me to discuss that. Um, any chance he could get an a somewhere in the B range. If you're in the C range, I really have to question, uh, your reality in terms of expectations, but, uh, what kind of grade would you give James Franklin? That's all coming up. I've got a column at DK Pittsburgh sports, a uh, Sunday morning. Um, on how this is really the end of college football as we know it. National Championship game, Michigan-Washington. Hopefully we'll get to see a good game. And then after that, everything that you know about college football is really going to change drastically with the 12-team playoff coming next year. And a lot of people are looking forward to it. And I've talked and written many, many, many times about how Penn State stands to gain from a 12-team playoff more than any program in the country. Because in the last seven seasons... Penn State finished in the top 12 five times, which would have meant five playoff appearances. Instead, the program has zero. So Penn State should and very well could benefit tremendously from making the playoff a good bit. At the same time, everything we judge college football on, how we judge programs, how we judge coaches, how we look at. Bowl games is all going to change. And so I've got a good column up on that uh, that you, you want to read that Sunday morning. Look, it's, I'm not saying it's all bad. In, in some ways, it's good. And we'll have a, a a tournament at the end of the year. But at the same time, we're going to have three lost teams making playoffs at some times. And uh, I think the tournament is just going to be watered down. Um, so again, uh, check out that column. That really kind of the, the the end of college football as we know it, with how we judge programs. Stick around; we got a good podcast for you. Appreciate everybody tuning in. They are fascinating questions about the bowl opt-outs. What do you do about it? Is there anything that can be done to force players to play in bowl games? Did James Franklin know that all of his players who who opted out weren't going to play, especially the, the Kalen King situation? These are fascinating questions, and... Um, let me welcome in Frank Bodani from the York Daily Record. We have a, a great discussion on all this stuff, Frank, because it's really multi-layered. Did you have a good time down in Atlanta, buddy?
1: Absolutely. The Peach Bowl treats you well. And Atlanta was a good, it was a different venue for us, for Penn State fans. So, yeah, I enjoyed being there. First time really in downtown Atlanta, so, and the stadium's tremendous,
0: so. Yeah, I concur with all yeah. that. The, a lot of the bowl games do treat us in the media really well. The Peach Bowl did an exceptional job. And look, um, college football is going to be very different next year going forward. We're going to have a 12-team playoff. If you're in the playoff, we think everybody's going to play. If you're not in a playoff, I think we're going to have massive opt-outs, way more than we've ever seen before. Penn State's not really been in this kind of situation so much when it had a really good team. They had players opt-out of the Outback Bowl a couple years ago after a, a, a disappointing season. So, what happened this time, Frank, was James Franklin, it seemed like, spent three weeks telling us that everybody was bought in on this, okay? And that Chop Robinson was the only person that had opted out publicly. And James, look, I'm telling you what I'm hearing from fans, because this is a pretty controversial thing that I've heard for the past two days, more than anything other than, you know, else game related, that fans feel misled. They feel a little bit lied to here because they feel like all these Penn State players and James Franklin told them for three weeks how important the bowl game was and everybody was bought in. And yeah, so it was only four opt-outs, but it just so happened to be four of your best players, in which case you weren't going to win the game without those four guys. So what do you make of just the whole thing, the way everything played out? And are you hearing and seeing the fan reaction as well?
1: Yeah, I do see the fan reaction. I mean, I think it's you got to take a closer look. Okay, so first of all, Olufashanu was he supposed to expected to play in this game? I mean, he he wasn't. You couldn't have blamed him for not even coming back for this year, right? right? Absolutely. Okay, so on media day, this is like two three weeks ago. We asked him point blank several times, "Are you playing in this game?" And he told us right then and there, he said, I'm going
0: to Atlanta. I don't know if I'm going to play. He said, quote, to be with my teammates. At no point did I ever expect Olu to play. So then why doesn't he just come out and say it? Do fans deserve for Olu Fashnu, even though he shouldn't have played? If he rolls his ankle, he could cost himself $20 million. Why not just tell the fans?
1: Well, that's the thing. So what the problem, I think, is I think a lot of the the, (laughs) – Bad feelings are going right at James Franklin. James, you lied to us. You didn't, I mean, okay, slow down a little bit here because there's, like you mentioned, a lot of layers to this. And I think James even expressed this. I don't, who has control over this? Does he have control over what the agents and the players are going to do and how they go about doing it? That's the thing that I think I don't have an answer to, but I don't know if any of us understand behind the scenes that that play, so to speak, that's going on between the players, the agents, and the coaches. Um, we saw it from Johnny Dixon, who didn't show up the Bowl Media Day, right? So when the guys aren't at Bowl Media Day, all of a sudden your antenna goes up. This is two, three weeks before the game. Are they going to play, right? Because if they're not going to sit there and answer questions, you wonder. And so he was the only one who basically – never said anything never was even with the team so what is that about and i think i guess my point here is this is a this is a problem that i'm not sure the coaching staffs of any school have a lot of control over
0: yeah Um, it's a problem with without much of a solution
1: exactly i don't know if it could have been handled differently on penn state side it kind of seems strange to me That they would be trying to hide something to the last minute on who? Kalen King? I mean, I I don't know. Who else? Johnny Dixon's rumors he wasn't going to play in the game on bull media day. Now, did he come out and say it? No, but did you hear those, see those rumors floating around? Sure you did. Um, so I don't know who to blame. I blame the system and the fact that we've gotten to this point and there's no answers, right? It's about money. So going forward, you mentioned the playoffs, and I wrote about this. I hope that that solves it, that you might not see another 12-team playoff game like you saw on last Saturday with Penn State's four of their best players opting out and Ole Miss being at full strength. Hopefully you don't see that, but you still may need to be able to see NIL money and money basically written in the contracts to help
0: ensure that. You were I mean, I, you were in Atlanta last week. Kalen King did not show up for Bull Media Day either. We had right. not heard anything from Kalen King. Uh, I look, just for the record. I have no problem with anybody opting out. I would have been fine if Hunter Norzad would have not would have opted out, or Caden Wallace, or Theo Johnson. If you're going to the pros, I, I I am perfectly fine with you protecting yourself. But but that's not so much the issue here. We didn't hear from Kalen King. I assumed all along Kalen wasn't playing. But what did James say last week? Everybody kind of read into it. That he and Kalen had a plan, you know, so-called so so so-called plan of how it was going to go. So And then basically a lot of the media reported that it seemed like Kalen King was going to play, which he didn't. What happened there?
1: Well, I, okay, so the guys who ended up announcing and being straightforward, they played about a half, right? All those guys, Adisa, they played about a half. Kalen, very strange. And it did seem like there was a chance of him playing when James talked on his Zoom call the day after Christmas, like you said, it made it seem like they had a plan. I mean, that's what I read into it, that he might play a half. Now, he didn't. I never thought he was going to play the whole game. He didn't even play a half. He didn't play any snaps. Who am I to say how that went? I mean, i it, it's such a crazy situation we're dealing with. I don't know who told who what Did James try to hide something i mean i'm not sure how that would benefit penn state did kalen king kind of give him a half answer and then all of a sudden change his mind or an agent really got put his foot down or something i mean that's the thing none of us know and that's the the hard part about it i'm not trying to like take up for any one side i'm trying to just say that how does anyone get any answers out of this situation you know, right. yeah. I think people's reacting, and they want to go after the easy target, right? I think they want to go after. But I'm saying is that I don't know if it's James's fault or, you know, or Penn State's fault. Kaling King. I mean, to me, the players have more and more power in this, and why they would handle it like this—that's a question that I don't know. And I hopefully. We don't have
0: to deal with this as much going forward. And right, and next year, the whole world changes next year. If you're in the playoff again, we shouldn't be dealing with this. If you're not in the playoff, hey, look everybody, you really shouldn't expect anybody to play. But even with that, I, I don't. If they're not in the playoff next year, I don't want to be hearing James Franklin talk all next de- December again about how. You know, we we try to give these guys reasons where nobody would opt out. Well, okay, we've got to be a little more realistic here. I I do want to finish back one thing with the Kalen King component. Um, is there a chance that he was supposed to play and then just changed his mind? I'm trying to find the one comment here that uh, I saw a comment, I think, in Neil Riddell's story that... Uh, he had, there were players on the sideline questioning Kalen King. Like, why aren't you out there? Here's the one. I source. That. Here's a court. Sources it. said King's decision. This is from Neil Ordell, Sources said King's decision was a point of frustration for the defense, members of which could be heard shouting at him, You should be out here. Uh, and well, what are we to make of that?
1: Well, I agree. And I think that goes back to what we're saying. There's frustration. I felt it in the player interviews in the locker room on defense. Guys not pointing a finger directly and naming names, but saying almost echoing what Franklin was saying at the same time at the podium. There was a frustration there that went beyond this just general make excuse for a loss. Do you know what I mean? Yep. yep. There was some frustration and they kind of kept it, like I said, from naming names, but there was, it, it didn't feel quite right. And I, I know James goes on, but I don't think. The way he talks felt quite right. Um, you know, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but when you get multiple players kind of saying it and you've been through this year after year, you, your antenna goes up when you when you hear something that just doesn't sit right. And Adisa Isaac said it, and Dom DeLuca said it, and Kobe King even kind of said it in a way. Um, there was just some frustration there. So... It, your situation that you described, maybe that could be the case. I mean, Olu dad was, he was ranting back at people on Twitter the day of the game, you know, it's a, and meaning that this is a, this is a really difficult situation and Penn State has not had to deal with it. They did not last year when Joey Porter Jr. was the only guy who opted out, but this is a different makeup. You know, those guys were younger then. These guys are older. They're going to the NFL. It's a different situation. Ole Miss didn't have that. Better to be good and young, I guess, right, um, until next year. And now we'll let's have this discussion next year to see what kind of changes we're going. Maybe that's exciting to look
0: forward to. I was just asked 20 minutes ago on my show here, is Drew Aller any good? And I gave like 10 different scenarios that, made us, that makes it seem like we just don't know. One of which is, well, Penn State's defense is really good. What does that have to do with Drew Aller? Well, I don't think James Franklin even needs Drew Aller or wants Drew Aller to be very good, as long as the defense is good. But we don't know about the receivers. I'm just going to ask you point blank. After seeing him start for a whole year, do you think Drew Aller's very good? I think, there's,
1: I think he has... I still believe he has a lot of talent. Okay? Is he very good in the sense of is he a really good division one, a big 10 quarterback right now? No. Can he be? I don't know. Um, because we've seen this before with four or five star quarterback prospects at Penn state. And we're talking over 30 years, right? Anthony Morelli. Did he live up to expectations that people had? No. Um, Christian Hackenberg started really good. What happened there? Okay. Drew comes in with all, but you see, you know, to me, that position is so visible, but yet it's so much to do with underneath the hood, right? Not just your arm, not your talent, not your speed. It's how do you process and deal with all the situations? I mean, it's so complicated. I think he still has a chance. I wouldn't write him off. But hey, I'm not going to say for sure he's going to he's going to turn this around. The, the, the key to me is who do you have as your guy behind it, ready to step in. You always you have to have that, and then you go then you go into a whole another discussion on what Penn State has behind him. I don't think in college football at that level you can ever be secure on a, a young guy coming in. He's going to turn out to be who you think is recruiting rating. Is.
0: My theory on it is. Look, he only turned the ball. He only had two interceptions. They can point to some stats that would show uh, you know, that he did some good things. But if you watch the Ole Miss game, the passes that Jackson Dart attempted, Drew Aller never threw those passes. The 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 plays they ran trying to get things done from Jackson Dart, Penn State doesn't do those things because Penn State had the number one defense in the country and didn't need to. And my theory is that he's had it told a billion times to him, don't take a chance, don't turn the ball over, because our defense is so good, and our and everybody knows the wide receivers are so bad. But I don't think any of that's going to be the element next year. I think, I think the defense is going to take a massive drop, massive. I mean, they're not going to be number one in the country, but I think they could be significantly worse. Are we going to see a situation next year where Drew Aller has to win games more now? So now maybe, hey, look, Frank, I'd been fine if he threw 10 interceptions, if it also meant that he was much, much, much more aggressive in doing so.
1: Well, and that's what we don't know, too. I agree that it looks like, from our perspective, he's being coached to be careful because he certainly has some tremendous raw ability Arm wise, size wise, we've seen it. We know how. Far. We know he can make throws that other Penn State quarterbacks could not make. We know it. Now, can he do it? Will he do it? Does he have the confidence to do it? Is there a block? Is it because of coaching? Is it something with him and coaching? Is it something with him? I mean, I think there's a block there. Okay, and I think the next thing is we got a new coordinator. You got a new system. A new year, we're going to find out, I think, pretty quickly in 2024, to be fair to him and to be fair to Penn State's new system, we're going to find out pretty quickly, I think, some answers to that. But I'm not ready to give the answers to that yet.
0: Frank Bodani um, from the York Daily Record. The last thing I want to... Look, I once those guys weren't playing, I expected them to lose. I I, I felt bad about it because I'd picked them to win. I thought Olu might play a little. I thought Kalen King was going to yeah. play, and, and we didn't know yeah. about Johnny till late. So then as a sports writer, you've already got to make this pick. Once we found that out, I was like, there's no way Penn State's winning this game. So I, I'm not at all surprised they lost. But the receiver situation, Frank, and I know... I've kind of become synonymous with this discussion all season because of, of what I asked James, but I, I just can't wrap my mind around it. Frank, you got a you got a top ten football program in the middle of the third quarter. The wide receivers had zero catches and only been a targeted well, one time. I, absolutely. I just absolutely yeah. how
1: is that it possible? You, well, because it shows you what the dis- disarray is in that room, and then there's no confidence in that room. And when it's easier to have confidence in your two tight ends and your running backs, at that point, you, you you go, I guess, with what you feel good about. So it is a it is a direct statement on what the set the the issue is in that room. The talent. I mean, I don't know Marcus Higgins. I mean, how much do you blame him on one year coming in? Um, but there is there has to be a correction. And again, I don't know what they're going to be able to add in the portal. I mean, I think Julian Fleming's still a good possibility, but I don't think he's an answer to everything. But the new coordinator, I mean, I've seen it before where sometimes the situation from one year to the next isn't what you like, and it certainly went that way negatively this year. doesn't mean it can't change to some degree next year. Do I think all those receivers have absolutely no talent? I'm not going to say that. But there has to be a major shift. Maybe Andy Kotelnicky can help with that. There has to be changes. I don't think it's one thing. I think it's probably all of them. And you maybe you can't fix the talent right away, but you certainly can fix the approach potentially with the offense and make it possibly easier. I'll just real quick go back to 2005, going into that season. I didn't know who they're going to throw the ball to, right? Michael Robinson was their best receiver the year before. And suddenly they come up with three freshmen and the whole season looks different. So I'm not trying to say that's going to happen now, but I think things can change and it's going to be up to the new coordinator to do it. And this is going to be, to me, this is it for James. Um, it, the, these coordinators, especially on offense, they have, it has, to, they have to succeed now.
0: Yeah, it's pretty wild. You know, it's a good season. If they if they beat Ole Miss, people probably feel a lot better and we're talking about a springboard into next year and everything, and just like we saw with the Rose Bowl last year. I just I, I'm not sure that they could have ended this season any worse. Not only did they lose and they look badly for a lot of it. Now you got all this controversy and fans who are kind of pissed off. I mean, uh, five days ago everybody was pretty happy, right? I mean, and now here we are. A lot of people are are, are, are much more disappointed about a ten and three season.
1: They are. I mean, they're going to have to get over it because if they beat Ole Miss, people are kind of happy. But I'm not sure. In this day and age, what, how much, I mean, we talk about a springboard. I talk about it. I mean, how much is that going to matter eight months from now? I, I I don't know. I think their deficiencies are what they are, were what they were, and they're still going to have to be fixed. And to me, the key that fans are going to have to eventually kind of come back to is you got two new guys running the systems, especially on offense. And I just focus so much on what the new offensive coordinator is going to be expected to do and can do. And I think there's, you know, potential there. And you're going to have to, I think they're going to have to have have a little patience in in what next year brings. And you'll get a look before eight months, right? I mean, you'll start to get some sense in the spring and what that's about. Because really, at this point, for this year, it wasn't going to matter to me if they didn't make the playoffs. And next year it's going to be different. You don't have to be. You don't have to be as perfect. And I think it'll be a different look when you get twelve teams in there. And um, we'll have another. Hey, let's have another discussion on the defense going for next year at some point.
0: Yeah, that's. I mean, look, it's the defense was phenomenal. A lot of things they did, the game planning, the philosophies. And again, somebody asked me, "Is Drew, is Drew Aller very good?" One of the first things I pointed to was the defense. He he just didn't have to be. And uh, Manny. Losing Manny, that's that's significant. We'll get into that at some other point. I appreciate the time, as always, buddy. Thanks, Frank. Good catching up with you, my man. Thanks Thanks for having me on. Happy New Year's! All the best to you this week. Thanks, pal. Happy New Year to you, Frank Bodani from the York Daily Record. Franklin. Today, I saw a good question on uh, Twitter the other day. I still call it Twitter; it's X, but it, it's Twitter. Uh, Great, James Franklin. Uh, I initially thought B, and I thought, okay, can I talk myself higher? Can I talk myself lower? I couldn't talk myself lower than a B. I you can't. I don't. I don't see how you can give James Franklin a C anything. C, C plus, whatever. They got a top ten, top twelve football program in the country. That deserves at least a B, no matter what. Does it deserve higher? Uh, I went ahead with a B plus. Um, yes, he's one and nine against Ohio State. Yes, three and six against Michigan. Yes, he struggles badly against uh, the elite competition, but so does everybody else. They would have made the playoff five times in the last seven years. To me, yes, I can see criteria for giving him a B, B minus based on the big game failures, but I'm going B+. plus. Maybe I'm going to be a little bit optimistic. We'll welcome in my buddy Joe Smeltzer from Nittany Sports. Now, when I asked you uh, a little while ago to to grade James Franklin, what's the first grade that popped into your head? Not necessarily your final grade, Joe, but what's the first grade that you thought of?
2: Well, Corey, I think the first grade and the final grade um, are both pretty similar. Uh, I'll, I'll say I'll say D plus. Um, I think uh, for all the reasons you mentioned, uh, he inherited uh, the program. I think um, people kind of overplay uh, the situation James Franklin went into just a little bit. It was definitely wasn't easy coming in with the sanctions, but the sanctions were also lifted two years earlier than they were supposed to be, and that helped out a lot. And, the job Bill O'Brien did in the years uh, previous uh, helped out a lot too. So it wasn't an easy situation to walk into by any stretch, but I think it can be overplayed. And really um, my final grade would be B plus. I don't think the difference between a B plus, a B and a B minus is really all that great. So I could see arguments for every one of those two, but, um, I definitely can't give him the A because he hasn't won enough big games. Uh, and he hasn't won enough big games that he was realistically should have been able to win. You think uh both Ohio State and Michigan this year, they win that game with a good offensive performance and a good quarterback performance. Twenty seventeen and eighteen Ohio State, both really uh no excuses not to win uh those games. I think twenty twenty one Michigan is a game that could have been won and wasn't uh there's just um too many, uh, and it's said a lot, uh, Corey, uh, just whenever the opportunity is there in the regular season for James Franklin to get a big win, there haven't been too many because um, of how the Big Ten has been um, in recent years. It's really been, uh, for a while, Ohio State was the young question top dog, and now um, Michigan um, has, I think we can say it has officially um, moved ahead of Ohio State, and it's uh, two Titans uh, versus one Titan now, and it's made it a little tougher. But um, yeah, overall, I think um, the B to B plus range is uh, where uh, James Franklin uh, could be. I don't really see any arguments that he'll, he'd be worse than the B, but um, I don't think he'd be any better than the B plus uh, either. He's done a very good job, and I think B to B plus uh, kind of reflects uh, very good.
0: First two callers who called in on my show with their grade said C. Now, I blasted them for saying, come on, man, you can't give him a C. That would make him like the 70th best coach in the country. That's just preposterous. So I got one of them. I, I lawyered him up for 45 seconds and said, come on now. And he went from C to B plus. So, so I don't know, I don't know what was going on in his mind. The other dude, he stuck hard with a C, though. I think he was a Notre Dame fan. And, and he kept saying, and this is another discussion in and of itself. He said he kept saying, I'm glad James Franklin isn't at Notre Dame. Like yeah. Notre Dame has accomplished a whole hell of a lot in the last 30 years. But anyway, uh the feeling, look, I gave him a B plus. I think you can look at any realistic measurements, achievements, five playoff appearances in seven years if there were a 12-team field, and you can come up with a pretty good grade. Emotion, though, Joe, emotion is what a lot of Penn State fans really are going to discredit James Franklin for. They get emotional over all these big losses because year after year after year, we think Penn State is this in this category. And then when the big games show up, we realize Penn State is not this and they're kind of put back in their place. And so I, I couldn't go lower than a B, no way. But the emotional fan out there, I guess I can see if you're letting emotion on your sleeve dictate your your grading strategy, th- there is a lot of anti-James Franklin sentiment from an emotional standpoint.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and especially coming off uh, what was um, – I don't think losing the uh, Peach Bowl is going to have any uh, positive or negative bearing on the next season. I just don't see that. If if end-of-year bowl games have set that much of a tone um, – Every season that Penn State winning the Rose Bowl would have led it to the Big Ten Championship this year, and obviously it didn't work out that way. Um, but it definitely losing that game, the old miss, uh, in the way that it did, especially with the offense, which was pretty much a, uh, pretty much a full strength minus Olu and a snap count, uh, Theo Johnson, uh, looking pretty much the way it did against, um, Ohio State and Michigan, aside from that one great play from, uh, Bo Krabiel and Nick Singleton. That, um losing the game that way uh definitely um has those emotions as you mentioned, um running high and running uh negative towards uh James Franklin right now. But um talking positively um about him from a big pitcher standpoint is Penn State had big problems in big games before James Franklin and before Bill O'Brien. Yes. Paterno had a lot of problems um in the Big Ten. Oh
0: no, you teams. didn't. You you <laughs> you you're gonna invoke that Joe wasn't actually a great coach for the last basically 20 years of his career. Because he wasn't, yeah. he wasn't, and if you look at it realistically, outside of ninety four and two thousand five, lots, but I will continue to always argue, Joe, the number one reason people don't like James Franklin is that he's not Joe Paterno. You know what? I'll be honest with you. (laughs) I can't even imagine. Look, I'm going to offend everybody here. I can't even imagine Joe Paterno having to navigate everything that a college football coach and CEO today has to navigate. There is no way Joe didn't even recruit anymore. He didn't even leave campus right. anymore. He let, he let the talent pool drop off significantly at Penn State. And yet again, I'm, I'm talking about this with regards to grading James Franklin. The biggest reason a huge number of Penn State fans do not like James Franklin, will not like James Franklin, will never like James Franklin, comes down to one thing. He is not Joe Paterno.
2: Yeah, uh, and you you said that quite well, uh, Corey, and obviously Joe Paterno is one of the greatest coaches ever. There's no disputing that, but um, he's one of the greatest coaches ever for what he did before Penn State got in the big 10. Um, obviously you had that undefeated 94 regular season. And then, um, after that, Penn state really kind of became perennially what it is now, which is a very good college football program that, that isn't able to get, um, over at hump. You think, uh, you think years like, uh, 2005 lost to Michigan ruins the season. 2008 lost to Iowa and that was in the, before the playoff era. And I don't know what they finished in the final rankings then. I don't know if they would have, I know the 05 team would have made a 14 playoff. I don't know if the 08 team would have, but, um, overall, uh, Paterno when I want to say he was 11 and 27 against Michigan and Ohio state, uh, in the, that time in the big 10, and that's, that's not too good. And I think when people think about, um, the, uh, 2000s, um, era of Penn State football from 2005 through 2011, people will think about, um, the big games that were won, which was 05, Tomahawi, Sack and Choice, that's against Ohio State, um, that Terrell Pryor fumble in 2008. And they'll think of that and say James Franklin can't win games like that. But most of the time, you know, Penn State, wasn't able to get the job done uh, during uh, that era against big-time opponents. This problem certainly isn't limited to James Franklin. And I think, Corey, one thing that James Franklin does really well is recruit, and it's kind of odd because I think people, uh, because he recruits so well and because he recruits, I think, at a higher level than Penn State had been doing, people kind of assume that Penn State is getting top. Five top ten classes every single year and they've had, I think, two top ten classes in the Franklin era. So, um, while Franklin and company recruit very well, um, I think that that kind of leads to the expectations being a little higher than maybe they should be because, um, he's not getting The top five classes that people that you would believe he's getting based on how people talked about his recruiting. Hey, Joe,
0: that's a great point. I think you nailed it. If you're basically recruiting from a 10 to 15th level, number 10 to number 15, which by and large, that's kind of where Penn State is. And you're finishing 10th to 15th, you're you're kind of I mean, that's basically what Penn State is. They're the they're the tenth to fifteenth best program in the country they recruit from the 10th to 15th best level in the country. So they kind of are what they are.
2: Yeah. And uh, they are what they've been um, in uh, really since uh, over a better part of the past uh, three decades. Uh, mm-hmm. And with the exception of 2000 to 2004, when they weren't very good in 2012 to when they were mediocre, obviously, with the sanctions playing a big part of that. Um, Joe, let me close real
0: quick because I've only got two minutes left. I I really want to get your thoughts on this. Let's fast forward five years. How many times has Penn State made the playoff over the next five years? Have they won multiple games in a given playoff five years from now? Because that's going to determine... What grade James Franklin gets five years from now? So over the next five years, how many playoff appearances will they make? I'm going to go three. How many times will they have went won multiple games in the playoff? I'm going to go one. I'll let you have the final say on.
2: Wow, uh, I'm thinking either three or four, but since you said three, I'll go four. Okay. Um, I I think that definitely what Penn State's been doing the past year. Uh, Several years stacked up that they'll be in the twelve-team playoff routinely, um, and I'll say that they win at least one game. No, at least two games. In, at least two. At least two games. At least, at least two games. Okay. Yep. How many times they'll they win two win games? At least two games twice. Two yeah. of
0: the four times, though, because the reason I'm saying it, putting it that way, is that's what we're going to judge James Franklin. i going for. We're going to yeah. assume they're going to make the playoffs, and if you win the first-round game because you're a home team and you got somebody coming in. You know that, but the second game, that second game is what we're going to determine Penn State on. If they can, if, if you're right, if they make it four times and they win two games twice, you're in the final four, right? Yep. You're in the final four. Tw- so basically, you're saying they they could get to the final four twice in the next five years. If that's the case, James Franklin's going to get an A to A A, A to A minus probably five years from now.
2: Yep absolutely if, if they made the playoff twice in the previous uh, four seasons in the 14 there'd be um, I don't think there'd be any doubt in anybody's mind that he he would have an A overall and if, yeah you, you said it if they are able to accomplish that Then I think um, a lot of more skeptical people you're never going to please everybody but a lot of the more skeptical people of Jen Franklin uh, will start to come around for sure
0: great discussion Val appreciate the time Joe Smeltzer from Nittany Sports Now thanks dude All right, thank you. All right, good stuff there.